Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. If you have your Bibles tonight, you turn over to Isaiah chapter 59. The crash is open tonight. Isaiah chapter 59 and verses 1 and 2. Once you're there, if you'd stand for uh, the reading of God's Word tonight. Isaiah chapter 59 and then we'll read the first two verses. I'll read them to you. You just can hear the reading of God's Word tonight. But Isaiah 59 and verse 1. Once you're there, if you'd stand and I'll read uh, the word tonight, just these two well-known verses in Scripture. Isaiah 59, verse 1. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, neither is his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you, that he will not hear. So, Lord, tonight we pray that you would anoint your word you would open ears, hearts, eyes tonight, that by the power of your Spirit that there would be conviction of sin, righteousness, and the judgment to come. Lord, do your work and glorify your name, we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. The Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither is his ear heavy that it cannot hear, but your iniquities have separated you between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. I want to speak for a little time about a city in the Bible. In the Old Testament, it's found in Genesis. It's known as the city Sodom. It was a very wicked city. Just to give you an oversight, if you don't know, I say most people know in this room or have heard of this city called Sodom, but it was an extremely wicked city. It is found throughout the Scriptures right into the New Testament, but it was a very dark place. It was full of sin, full of sinful practices, full of idolatry, full of sexual immorality. The people of Sodom referred to in the Bible as Sodomites were always categorized as an extremely very sinful people, a grievous sin in the sight of God. But there was also the culture of Sodom. Sodom had a particular culture that was always prevalent in a society when a society would begin to sink deeper and deeper into spiritual darkness. You'll find throughout the Scripture that when, for example, in the book of the Kings, First and Second Kings, we know that you'll often find at the beginning the king uh, that came to the throne, the Bible would either tell us that he was a good king or that he was a wicked king. But when those good kings rose up, like for example, Asa tells us that he took away the Sodomites out of the land. It just wasn't the people, but it was the culture that was brought with that. It also tells us of Jehoshaphat in 1 Kings chapter 22, another good king, but he then, of course, it says that the remnant of the Sodomites which remained in the days of his father Asa, he took them out of the land also. Then it tells us of Josiah in 2 Kings chapter 23 and verse 7 that he broke down the walls of the Sodomites that were by the house of the Lord where the women would wove hangings for the grove. And so we see in, in history that uh, when there was wickedness then there was always the rise of this particular a wicked culture. It was a sodomite culture. 
Yes, the sin itself was extremely grievous to the Lord, but it wasn't just the sin, it was actually the whole culture that came with that Sodomite culture. The reason that Sodom is relevant to us today in 2021 is because Jesus himself refers to Sodom and the sins of Sodom as an indication or a sign that the time is short and the world will soon come to an end. There was a man also that Jesus referred to that lived in Sodom. His name was Lot. Lot was a servant of the Lord. He was a righteous man. He was a godly man. He loved the Lord. He was a God-fearing man. But he lived in a very ungodly society. That society was Sodom. Right back in Genesis chapter 13 and verse 13, and I really do want you to listen very carefully tonight because it is actually very relevant to the day we're in and the culture that we are now part of. But in Genesis 13 and 13, the Bible tells us that the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly, exceedingly. There was a rise of wickedness in that culture at that time. Genesis chapter 18 and verse 20, the Lord said, because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah, that was the sister city, is great, and because their sin is very grievous. It just wasn't the normal run of darkness or sin, but there was a sinking deeper into depravity, into perversion. And the Lord said it was exceedingly wicked, and their sin is very grievous. And then he says in verse 21 of Genesis chapter 18, Now I will go down and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it which has come unto me. And if not, I will know. And the men turned their faces from thence, and they went towards Sodom. That God, he, he knowing that that wickedness had come to such a level, such a depravity, such a time of spiritual darkness, the very cry of their sins were coming up to a holy God. And God said, I will come down and see for myself. And so there was angels that were sent to bring judgment on Sodom. I want to show you how wicked it became in Sodom. In Genesis chapter 19, we read there of those two angels coming in to this city called Sodom. Remember, this is very relevant to the day in which we're living. But in Genesis chapter 19, these two angels that have been sent by God to bring judgment upon Sodom, we read there of Lot, this righteous man that the Lord refers to, that he sat at the gate of Sodom. And when Lot seen these two angels that had come to enter into the city, he revered the angels, he reverenced these messengers of the Lord, and he bowed his face toward the ground. And so knowing the condition of the city, it was in the heart of Lot that he would bring these two angels, these two angelic beings, into his home. He knew that the city was so wicked, so dark, so perverse, that he wanted to bring them to a place where they, they wouldn't necessarily be exposed to all the wickedness, even though they knew uh, why they were there. And he brought these angels into his house. He was hospitable to them. But as the night grew on, I, I want you to pick up the reading there in verse 4 of Genesis chapter 19. It, it, it this tells us these words. This is how wicked it had become. But before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, surrounded the house. 
both old and both young, and all the people from every quarter. And they called unto Lot and said unto him, Where are the men which came into thee this night? Bring them out unto us, that we may know them. These young and old from every quarter, it tells us, of Sodom, came to this house where these two angelic beings were, these two that were sent from the Lord, and they began to call on Lot to bring these men out into the streets because they wanted to know them. That simply means that they wanted to enter into sexual perversion with them. It was such a wicked time. It was such a grievous sin before the Lord that these men had no regard. The young and the old, the entire culture of Sodom had been so overtaken with perversion. It is very similar to the day in which we're living in. The day of gross darkness and sin and depravity and perversion. The Bible tells us that will be the indication of the last days as it was in the days of Sodom. They wanted these men to be brought out. They wanted to have a sexual relationship with these men, these angels. Brothers and sisters, we're living in very similar days, serious days. We're living in times when both old and young are falling deeper and deeper into darkness, into perversion, and the cry of the wickedness of the hour and the sin of this time is very similar to the time of the city of Sodom. We surely must have nearly reached the fullness and we then will see the coming of the Lord and the judgment of God upon the world. It tells us of Lot, this righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing that it actually grieved him. It vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. Just very much like the day we're living in where where if you're truly saved and you love the Lord, you're grieved with what you see and what you hear and what you witness all around us, not just in the young generation, but in the old, the young, and from every quarter we see such a depravity in our day. But Jesus makes reference to Sodom in the Gospels. If you turn over into Luke chapter 17, now I want you to listen to it because it's very important. In Luke chapter 17, Jesus said in verse 28, he, say, he said, likewise also as it was in the days of Lot. So I've just told you a little bit and back in Genesis of the time of Lot, the culture of Sodom and the sin of Sodom. But I want you to remember just one thing, the whole culture of Sodom. And here Jesus says these words, they did eat, listen carefully, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. There was no reference to what we understand, that sin of Sodom, that grievous sin, but he talked about a culture. That culture was indifferent to the things of God. It was completely indifferent to the reality that there is a heaven and that there is a hell. They had no thought of God that Jesus died on the cross that He gave His life for them, that He shed His precious blood for them, that He came into the world to save sinners, that He rose again from the grave on the third day, that He ascended up into heaven, that He promised us that He would come again, and the invitation for all men to be saved and receive the free gift of salvation. They had no interest. They just went through their lives. They were no more interested 
in the things of God. They just wanted to carry on in life. They, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. They were so consumed on, their, on themselves and their sin and what they want and how they want to live. They had no thought of God. They had no thought of eternity. It's an offense now. They're calling in a cultural expert because of a verse of Scripture on the wall in Port Stewart that says you must be born again. And now they want to remove that because some equality consultant, whatever that is, is going to come in to tell them that that might offend someone. Well, the gospel will offend some. But the culture of that time was sinking deeper and deeper into darkness. And it's not so much that it was the sin of Sodom as much as that was very grievous to the Lord. And it is grievous to the Lord. But it was that the people have been caught up in the culture of Sodom. It's the culture of Sodom. The culture of Sodom had no thought of God. No interest in the things of God. No interest in eternity. No, no thought of where their soul will go when they die. No interest that Christ died on the cross, that He loves them, that He gave His life for them, that He shed His blood for them, that He came into this world on a rescue mission to deliver men and women, to give them hope and to give them peace and to give them a plan and a purpose for their lives. And their name could be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. But the culture had no thought of that. That's the culture of our art. There's no thought of the things of God. Actually, there's a hardness that's coming into the culture that we're in. There's a rebellion that's so deep amongst the young and the old. They're not interested in the things of God. Don't talk to me about God. I don't want to hear about God. There's a mockery that's come today that hasn't been seen in this land. I know there's always been mockers and scoffers, but in this last day, there's a, there's a culture that has risen up that has no respect that has, that has no reverence for the things of God. There's a hardness in their hearts. There's a mockery to the things of God. And that is the culture of Sodom. You may not be involved in the sin, uh, as that particular sin, but you're certainly caught up in the culture of Sodom. And they're indifferent to the things of God. They don't want to know about it. They're eating, they're drinking, they're buying, they're selling, they're planting, they're building, their, their life is going on. But they don't want to hear about the things of God. They don't want to hear about the good news of the gospel. Many have already heard it, and now they're hardened in their hearts, and they're rejecting it. They mock at it, they snigger at it, they harden their hearts toward it. They're rejecting Christ every time they sit through a gospel message and they hear the power of the gospel and the invitation and they reject it and they mock it and they snigger and they laugh and they plant and they eat and they drink and they buy and they sell and they carry on with no thought of eternity, no thought of their eternal soul that in a moment they're a breath away from eternity. And so God sends two angels Two angels into that city. Not, we're told there in, in verse 29, likewise, Jesus says, as it was in the days of Lot, he's referring to the moral climate of Lot's time. God sent two angels into that, that city. And the reason those angels came, of course, was to bring judgment but before they would bring judgment, they were also there on a rescue mission. They would deliver Lot and his family and all that were in that house. 
They would come to rescue, but also to bring judgment. That reminds us, friends, that Jesus came to rescue us. But the next time He comes, He's coming to judge the world. This is a rescue mission. This is serious. This is your soul. This is your eternal well-being. This is the most important thing in your life. To know Christ as your Savior. The Bible tells us that the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, that it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Jesus says, Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. The judgment, the judgment that Sodom experienced by those two angels is nothing compared to the judgment that's coming. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit would convict the world of sin and righteousness and the judgment that is about to come. There's a judgment for rejecting Jesus. There's consequences for saying no. Lot brought those two angels into his home. He was a righteous man. And some might say, what was Lot doing there? Why did Lot end up in Sodom? And and we might say, some might say, well, he pitched that tent in the wrong place. You see, the culture of Sodom can have a very profound influence on your life. The culture can have a profound influence in your life. It is the world. The Bible says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Lot was a righteous man, but he pitched his tent towards Sodom. And that was a choice that he made. We could argue whether it was a good choice or a bad choice. But I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, and every person in this room tonight, all of us have made bad choices in life. And we bear the consequences of the choices that we make. The Bible says a man will reap what he has sown. What you sow, you shall also reap. I remember a preacher saying it very clear one night in a meeting. The day that you sow is not the day that you reap. But you will reap what you're sowing. You might think it's never going to happen to me that all is well that I can buy and sell and carry on and reject and snigger and laugh and do what I want to do. I'm not interested. But the decisions you make are going to have an effect on your eternal well-being. Not only in this world, but in the world that has to come. Perhaps tonight there's some, someone in this room has got too close to the culture and now the culture has taken, taken you up or taken you over. The world has got too close to you. Do you know what can happen to any one of us when we begin to be influenced by this world? And we begin to lose the fire. We were once walking with the Lord and fire for the Lord, serving the Lord. But then as we become close to that world and we're influenced by that world, we lose our convictions. We lose the joy of our salvation. We fall into a backslidden state. Because we've got too close, we've pitched our tent towards Sodom. There's a little song, and I believe it's a powerful song, and it says, So many lives depend on what I do. Give me the strength, dear Lord. I'm going on with you. A lot of what happens in our lives is because often the choices that we make 
There's not a person in this room that hasn't made a bad choice. Lot was a righteous man. He loved the Lord. But he made a choice to pitch his tent towards Sodom. He seen it was well watered everywhere. It was actually like the garden of the Lord. But the Bible tells us in Genesis 13 and 13 that the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. And the culture of Sodom is having a profound effect on our lives today. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Have you got too close to Sodom? Are you influenced by its culture, by its fashion, by its standards, by its music? All of it, friends, is trying to influence us. That night those angels came and those men began to beat on that door. And I want to tell you that's really like the day that we've come to. There's a pressing in against the church of Jesus Christ because the hour is now late. There's a pressure There's a pressure that's come in this land. There's a pressure that's come on the church of Jesus Christ. And Lot, Lot being a righteous man and the pressing at that door. In Genesis chapter 19 and verse 6, I want to read it to you. That It says there that Lot went, went out at the door unto them and he shut the door behind him. In other words, that crowd of Sodom was right out the front door in that front garden, if you like, and Sodom opened the door stepped out into that place and closed the door behind him. You can see the righteous man vexed in his soul standing with the door shut behind him to plead with these men not to do such wicked deeds to these angels. It says in verse 9, And they said, Stand back. This one fellow came in to sojourn and he will need to judge, and now will he deal worse with thee than them. And they pressed, the Bible says, they pressed sore upon the man, even Lot, so much so that the door, the door nearly broke. Think of the pressure. There's a pressure today, brothers and sisters, to conform. There's a pressure today to, to blend in. There's a pressure that's come for to be conditioned by the culture of Sodom. The safest place in Sodom that night was in that house. Can I tell you, friends, that the safest place for you tonight is to be in Jesus Christ. I want to say that again, and I want you to hear. It's not enough to be close to the house. It's not enough to lean against the house. It's not enough that when you're in trouble to call out to the house. It's not enough, friends, to be familiar now and again with the house or some friend of yours is in the house. You must be in Christ. Some of you here tonight in this room and you're close, but you're not in. I want to tell you, listen to me, it's not enough to be close. There's some of you tonight that in your troubles and when things all go wrong, oh, please pray. Would you pray? That's not a wrong thing. I'm just saying 
It's only when the trouble comes. But I want to tell you, it's not just enough to just call or ask someone to call for you when the trouble comes. Some of you were once in the house. Some of you were once walking with God. But now you've opened the door and you've been influenced by the culture of Sodom and the deceitfulness of sin and you've been swept into that culture. The Bible says these words, that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature and all things pass away and behold, all things become new. You need to be in Christ. There are many on that day will say to the Lord that we were close. They will tell us that they were in meetings. It's not enough to be in a meeting. It's good that you're here, but it's not enough to be in church. You need to be in Christ. You need to be born again. You need to be washed in the blood of Jesus. You need to have your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You need to make your election and your calling sure. You need to be saved. And there's a lot at the door. And the pressure of the culture is all around us. There's a pressure to conform. There's a pressure to be swept into the culture of Sodom. And there's a lot at the door. Some of you have gone out from the door. You've gone into the culture of Sodom. You're actually involved in the culture of Sodom. You're being swept away by the influence of this world the prince of the power of the earth, that is the devil who works in the children of disobedience and you're being influenced by that culture, but you're near the door, but you're not in the house. I want to tell you, friends, we're approaching, this might be old news to you, it might be familiar news to you, it might be something that you've heard a million times, but we're approaching the end. The Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 19, as they began to press against that house, that those angels opened the door. And I love this in verse 10, it says, But the men put forth their hand, and they pulled Lot into the house to them, and they shut the door. I'm going to tell you there's a greater hand than that angel's hand tonight in this room, and it's the hand of Jesus Christ. The Bible says... We read it tonight. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. Neither is His ear heavy that He cannot hear. His hand can reach right out into the depths of the culture of Sodom no matter how far you've gone or how deep you are in sin. But there's a hand tonight that can save you. But you've got to cry. You've got to call on the Lord. Here's the prayer He wants you to hear because He said it's your sins. It's your sins that have separated you between you and your God. I don't feel anything. I'd like to feel something. Friends, I want to tell you it's not about your feelings. It's about a cry from the depths of your heart of repentance. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and the Lord delivered him. You're not far from the house. You're not far from the door, and even if you were, I've got great news. He can reach into the furthest point into this world, and into the darkest pit, and into the deepest prison, and the Lord's able to save, and the Lord's able to keep.
You see, I want to let you know something. As the Spirit is striving, because I believe He is striving with men, but I want to tell you something very clear. It's not enough to be close. It's not enough to be close. You must be in Christ. There's a day coming, and it's coming soon, that Jesus Christ will come. The rescue mission began 2,000 years ago, and there has been millions upon millions of people over the past 2,000 years that have been wonderfully and gloriously saved, swept into the kingdom of God and kept by the power of God. There's going to be a tremendous meeting in the air. Millions of people from every culture and every tribe and every tongue, from every color that have been gloriously and wonderfully saved and kept by the power of God over 2,000 years. It's going to be awesome, that meeting in the air. But the next time He comes, the next time He comes, He comes as the judge. He comes to judge the world. Listen carefully, he comes to judge the world. You see, there's a price to be paid. There's a penalty for sin. There's a penalty for rejecting Christ. There's a price to be paid. There's a place in the Bible, it's called the lake of fire. It burns as long as heaven exists. In Acts chapter 17 and verse 31, the Bible says, Because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men in that he raised him from the dead, he will judge the world in righteousness. In John chapter 5 and verse 22, it says that the Father judgeth no man but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. In Romans chapter 2 and verse 16, it says, In that day that God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to the gospel. There's a judgment day. There is a judgment day. Listen, there is a day that you will be judged if you reject Christ. There is a day, there is a judgment day that's coming. It tells us in Romans 2 and 5, it says, not because of the hardness and the impenitent heart treasures up thyself the wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteousness, judgment of God, who will render every man according to his deeds. There is a day for reject. There is a day of judgment that's coming. There is a penalty for sin. This is the truth of God's Word. It's not enough to be close to the house. It's not enough to be near the door. It's not enough to know about the Lord. It's not enough that you made a decision when you were a child, but today you're in the culture of Sodom. You've got to be in Christ. There is an awful price to be paid for rejecting the Lord. And that is the judgment that is coming. Jude tells us that he will execute judgment upon all and convince all that are ungodly among them of their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches 
which ungodly sinners have spoken against them. The next time you hear someone speak a hard speech against the Lord, I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, pray for mercy. Pray for them. Because there's an accountability for the speech that they've made, for the words that they've said, for the mockery that they say. There was someone not so long ago in a meeting. During the message, I could see them sniggering and mocking and laughing. That, that's not, I don't take any of that personal. I don't believe any of the preachers would. We don't take that personal. But oh God, in the depths of your heart, it makes your heart break. God, have mercy. You see, God hears the hard speeches that ungodly sinners have spoken not against the church, not against the preachers, not against the, the believers, but they're speaking against the Lord Jesus Christ. And then that day comes. That day comes. Jesus said, as it was in the days of Lot, so shall it be. It will be the same in the coming of the Son of Man. There is a day that He's coming. There is a day that He's coming, friend. There's a day that He's going to break through the clouds. There's a day that He's coming in judgment. That is the truth. He is coming again. There is a great white throne. Revelation tells us of a great white throne. And the, and the man that's on the white throne is the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. The Bible says, because I want, to, I want to leave this image with you tonight. He's not coming as a little baby in a manger. I know we're coming into that time and the nativities and everything else. And who's Mary and who's Joseph and who's an angel? Who's a prophet? Who's baby Jesus? All of that. And that's lovely and that's fine. It brings a wonderful story of God and His love. Emmanuel, God with us. But the next time He comes... He comes to receive His bride. That is the church of Jesus Christ. All those that are saved. All those that are washed in the blood. All those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. All those that are trusting not in their works or their goodness, but they're trusting in all that He's done for them. The next time He comes, the Bible speaks of a great white throne. And him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. There was no, there was found no place for them. I saw the dead, the small and the great stand before God and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. Nothing is missed. It's all recorded. Every thought, every deed, every sin, every word, every hard speech, all the mockery, all the rebellion, all the opportunities of sitting in gospel meetings, hearing the gospel, hearing preachers plead, all those times you got attracted, all those times that someone stopped you in the street, all those times, it's all recorded in the book. It is brought before you on that great day, everything of all that you've heard, the privilege of what we have in this country, the freedom that we have to hear the gospel, preach the gospel. Still, even to this day, we're preaching the gospel tonight. We're not hidden in a cave, but we have the freedom to preach it still. It may not be that way for much longer, but we have it. When you hear the gospel, you say people are gospel-hardened. 
and the books are opened, and the book of life, and the dead are judged out of those things which are written in the books according to their works. All your works, everything of your life, everything is recorded, every moment, every thought, the sin that nobody knows about, the deeds that nobody knows about, it's all recorded. I'm so thankful for the blood of Jesus. I'm so thankful that I'm not trusting in my works. I'm trusting in His work. I'm so thankful that my sins, which were many, I want to tell you, I think I'd fill a few more books than many people in this room, but all my sins are all washed away, and there's no record. Maybe a record down here, but there's no record up there. But the books are opened. The books are opened. I had Tim, I was close to the house. I had my hand on the door. I wasn't far away. I had a good friend. They were a Christian. I had a praying father. I had a praying mother. Thank God for it. What a privilege to have a mummy and a daddy that are saved. What a privilege. I had a friend who talked to me. I had a person to work with. They were saved. But I want to tell you, friends, it's not enough that they're saved. Thank God they are. But are you saved? Are you in Christ? Is your name written in the book? Revelation 20 and 15, it simply says that whosoever was not found written in the book of life, the Bible says, was cast into the lake of fire, and the lake of fire burns as long as heaven exists. That's what the Bible says. Friends, tonight we're here. These are solemn words, but this is the truth of God's word. As it was in the days of Lot, so shall it be. We are very close, very close to the end. The culture the culture is just like Sodom. The culture is just like Sodom. Christ is about to come. I believe there's a hand tonight, and it's a nail-pierced hand. And you might just be on the other side of that door, but I want to tell you something. You only need to call. And that hand will come through right down to where you are. And just like those angels' hands touched the shoulder of Lot and pulled him into that house, God's able to save you tonight. His hand is not shortened that it cannot save. He can save you tonight. If you call, if you'd humble yourself, if you'd stop running, if you'd stop debating, if you'd stop fighting, if you'd just surrender, you'll know the sweetness and how precious it is to be saved. Then the hand of Jesus touched me and our lives have never been the same again. Saved out of Sodom, you could be saved tonight out of this old world and be ready because the King's coming. I pray you'll not leave this place 
I pray you'll not leave this place tonight until you're right with God. Not enough to be close. You've got to be in Christ. You've got to be born again. Father, we pray tonight for every person, every head that's bowed in this, in this hall tonight. We pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that your spirit would strive with men. I thank you, Lord, that your spirit did strive with me. I thank you that your spirit, Lord, you had long suffering and mercy towards so many of us in this room. We can simply say, thank you, Jesus. But, oh God, tonight I pray, Lord, for those that do not know you, are not saved, are not saved. Lord, I pray for mercy. Pray that you would save. I pray there be a cry that comes up from hearts tonight. Oh God, have mercy. Have mercy. Lord, I pray there be true, genuine repentance, faith towards God. Lord, would you do a work in hearts tonight? Do a work that only you can do. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.